Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Luke chapter 10, verse 3. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Heavenly Father, please give us all ears to hear your word this morning. Please give us receptive hearts. Please anoint and use my words to be true and useful for building up your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Intuitive to all uh, agrarian cultures and a repeated symbol in the scriptures is the fact that lambs symbolize innocence and purity and wolves symbolize <clears throat> sorry I got something <coughs> sorry wolves symbolize um, ravenous appetite and passion I don't mean good passion I mean evil passion so the first surprise that strikes me strikes, should strike us in Jesus' teaching here that I send you out as lambs among wolves is that we are called the lambs we who have sinned with appetites, with our wills, we have sinned against Almighty God, sinned against each other, who bear God's image. I'm not a lamb by nature. I'm not somehow um, fundamentally different as who I made than, than a non-Christian. I'm a wolf by nature, following appetite and passion. But the mystery of faith is that though we are all wolves, sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, Through faith and through baptism, we've been united to Jesus Christ, the only true Lamb of God, the only actually innocent one. And he's given us his innocence when he died on the cross for our wolf acts, our following of sinful appetite and passion. We are united to him and we are, you know, those of you who know me know, I I love the theological phrase that we are sons in the Son, but we're also lambs in the lamb. That's the only way we're described rightly as lambs. None of you, neither you nor me is a lamb by nature. We're wolves by nature. We've been made lambs by grace. That's how we are lambs. That's the first surprise. The second surprise then is that having been rescued from wolf culture, from the great mass of wolves in the world, having been made newly innocent after being guilty, Jesus then says that we need to go back out to the wolves. I've never kept sheep or lambs, um, but I'm pretty sure you don't send lambs into a forest full of wolves, right? That's why you have pens and where else you keep sheep at night, I don't know. But that's exactly what Christ does here. I am sending you out, right, as lambs in the midst of wolves. He doesn't say I've made you into lambs and now just stay safe huddled over here. We're sent back out in amidst the wolves from which we were drawn. Which means that Christ must, in his wisdom, calculate that to be an acceptable risk, an acceptable danger for us. And that Christianity, the following of Christ Jesus, is fundamentally not isolationist. I have a lot of respect for the Amish. I think they're doing a very interesting thing socially, But that is not the Christian way, as if all Christians, if we just were more serious, would follow that isolationist route. You who know me know I love monks and monasticism, but even monks aren't trying to run away from the fray. 
actually, they're actually running in a strange way further into the fray, going toe-to-toe with principalities and powers more directly in the desert. And the monks will say, one of the repeated sayings in the Desert Fathers is, if you can't find and follow Christ in the city, you will never find him in the desert when you're alone. We are, as Christians, sent out into the midst of wolves, which means out into the world. Why? Well, in the midst of the sending of the 72, it's quite clear. To bear witness to Christ Jesus and his death and the kingdom that he's established. To bear witness. To bear witness to the Lamb of God, to other wolves. Jesus says that's worth the risk. Right? There's this image of threat. It is threatening that we who have only lately um, had our wolf nature crucified with Christ would maybe have some of the old wolf impulses sort of uh, excited by what we see and hear in the world. It makes temptations harder to resist when you're out in the world, but Christ would call us into even that danger. Not to giving in to temptation, but to the struggle, the stronger struggle of resisting it. We who've had our ears only lately made innocent, again, by the blood of Christ, to have to hear about what all the wolves are doing these days. It's part of being sent out into the world. And it's striking that we are proclaiming Christ crucified, what St. Paul calls a message of weakness. And we're told how we're supposed to communicate it with meekness and gentleness, which is functionally weakness. So we're proclaiming a message of weakness as weak lambs in a spirit of weakness to a world that traffics only in power and savagery. This uh, mental conceiving of our mission in this way, it should change our comportment with the world. The way I hear some Christians speak, mercifully not in this church, but in general, out in our culture, the way some people speak about specifically flashpoints of cultural struggle, you would think Jesus said, I'm sending you out as grizzly bears amongst all these nasty goats. Like, you're the ones with the power. No, you're lambs amidst wolves, proclaiming a message of weakness. And also, just to be clear, the wolves um, are sneaky. As Jesus says in Matthew 7, some wolves come bearing their teeth, at least they're being honest. Other wolves come dressed in sheep's clothing, which in Jesus' picture means religious language, language that Christians might sort of be like, oh yeah, those are words I recognize and use. But to discern, ah, that teaching, that path will actually lead me into sin, which is to be devoured by the wolves. But for the grace of God, a wolf in sheep's clothing will eat as many lambs as an undisguised wolf. So to end where we began, um, which is the power of Christ to transform. You know, it's a common saying that we, I, you, you hear thrown around still today. I don't know if you know, it has its origins in Jeremiah, 600 years before Christ. Um, the saying, a leopard cannot change its spots. Have you ever used that phrase, that parable, that saying? It's true, a leopard can't change the spots. But by God's power, he can do even more than change the spots of a leopard, right? Not just sort of make, make some minor sort of skin alteration. He actually can take wolves. And I'm saying this because I was one of them. By nature, I am one of them. And I believe as the scripture says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You, by nature, are one of them. Our testimony is that God can take wolves who would live for appetite and ravenous passion and turn us into lambs. 
That's a lot more than just even taking spots off a leopard. That's a fundamental transformation. It happened to me. It's happened to you. That's why you're here at church this morning. Because you bear witness to the one who changes wolf to lamb. And so that's the message we take out. Think of the, the sort of nastiest, worldliest wolf that you know. Try and think of that person. It's okay to be judgmental for 10 seconds. <laughs> God wants to change that person also into a lamb. And that's the message that you bring them with your life, with your witness, with your testimony. It's good news for wolves that we don't have to live that way any longer. And you bear witness to the one who makes that transformation. Glory to him. Amen.